This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 27. Coming up, we discuss how moms can maintain their well-being. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast, the podcast dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and well-being through small healthy habits, and we can start implementing those right now. We're going to give you tips you can use as we head through this episode. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica. Every other week, we sit down with a certified health expert or other experts as well from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. We'll do a dive into topics covering nutrition, fitness. We've done well-being in the past, but this has got a little different focus. In this episode, we're talking about well-being for moms. And today, joining me, Cindy Bjorkwist. She's actually back. We had Gosh, we had a good run. We last, did. Last year, we were yeah, talking about fun. well-being and for many episodes. Cindy is currently Director of Health and Well-Being Programs at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, the largest insurer in the state of Michigan with over 4.5 million members. We hope they're all well, <laughs> and they're being well today, but that's Cindy's thing. She's got over 33 years of experience in health and wellness and the well-being industry. That's hard to even believe. Uh, she currently is uh, directly in healthcare. She has been for 20 years. Her current position responsible for strategy, development, operations of health and well-being programs across the enterprise for all market segments. She's also had all kinds of interesting background positions. We're talking about physiology. She's got a degree in that biology from Spring Arbor, and you were also involved with a private enterprise called High Voltage. Now I know where you get it. It's not just coffee. You actually named a business after this. This I is did. great. I did. It's good to see you and it's have you back. It's good to see you again. Thank also you. in the studio, Elizabeth Lewis. She's founder of Detroit Moms Blog. This is so interesting. So Elizabeth left corporate America about three years ago to follow her dreams and to run Detroit Moms Blog. She's a full-time work-from-home mom. She's CEO of her household. Uh, she's a, a wife. She's married to an ambitious man and I he, he's got to love you he's so ambitious is yeah he? I'm his biggest cheerleader yeah is yeah. he handsome he's so I was handsome. just asking okay uh pretty sure she missed her call like she says as a party planner she loves to get together with moms talk about stuff that's important to moms she takes a, a crazy amount of photographs that she rarely prints off and she's got a couple of kids uh, several four <laughs> Four. Right from yeah. from what six months to eighteen. Oh come on, this is uh, yeah. this is awesome. We have so much in common, <laughs> short of the fact I'm not a mom, uh, and we want to hear a lot more about her story. So I just want to start this podcast with, "Hey girls, hey, <laughs> come on." So I'm a dad of five, right? So yeah. those are my credentials. You know, that's all I've got. But having been around the most important people in my life, and my wife is in that list, my grandmother who helped to raise me, my own mom. Uh, and thank God she's still around. And so here are these women who I appreciate as a son, as a grandson, and as a husband. So I, I don't know that I can hold moms in higher esteem, just so you yeah, know. So I'll put that it. on my list of credentials. If we talk about well-being for moms, uh, Cindy, I want to turn to you first because you brought some rocks in your backpack today. You, you've talked about this, and here it is right here. What is this again? It was supposed to be a Karen. Okay. You know, so we talked in previous episodes about Karens and the Indians use them to guide you down the right path. Uh-huh. This in particular, because I, th- I thought it was relevant today because we were talking about well-being and, and mothers, that I have this in my house. It's in my office, actually. I have two of them in my house, one in my living room, and then this one's in my office. And it just represents to me what we're talking about today, which is well-being and mothers in particular. Mm-hmm. 
as a mom, well-being is in its ultimate definition, I'm healthy and I'm happy. You in know, mind, body, and spirit. Yeah, and is yeah. that the first top three rocks in essence? Well, you know, my story goes when I lecture about this using this rock is that as a mother, it shifts throughout life. Mm. So when I'm a new mother and I'm in that crisis mode of I have a baby and I'm reading the books on how to give it a bath, remember that? How to give it a bath, how to do this, how to do that then my priorities probably shift of taking care of that baby versus my financial well-being or my social well-being and all that kind of stuff. So throughout life, those represent different things of me personally and my well-being and how I'm kind of prioritizing them uh, down, down the road of my path of journey of being a mother. So, Elizabeth, I've heard the statistic that being a mom is like two and a half jobs. Yeah. And we were talking about this off air before we came in. Tell me this impression, and it's not your, it's actual truth for you. When you're a mom, you really in many places don't have the time to get away from being everything. CEO, mom, Mm -hmm. wife, right? Yeah. Well, I went from corporate, so I was the working mom and worked ungodly hours and did that whole system. Then Mm -hmm. I went to working from home, which is a whole nother beast because if you work from home and you don't have childcare, you you know, you made the decision to work from home. So chances are your kids are possibly at home. Right. You're 24 seven. So someone who stays home, you, you're never off. Like you never have the opportunity to mm-hmm. just take care of you because somebody's at the door. When you go to the bathroom, somebody needs to eat somebody, you need to take someone to school. It's library day. It's the book fair. It's hair, you know, everything. Yeah. And then Like you could go through your whole day. So you have breakfast, lunch, dinner, after school pickup, then their after school activities, then dinner, nighttime routine. Right. And so you're always on. And for me, I'm like, whoa, it's such a shift from being out with humans all day, like women at a full time job versus being home talking to a three year old. Right. The conversation, it's a boy. So you can imagine the conversations are much different. (laughs) And then God forbid you get sick. Yes. Right. I mean, you're home and then you're still trying to be 24 seven. Yeah. Because we men get a cold and we think we're pregnant. I mean, we're like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, could you get me some soup? Yeah. But I mean, you've got to keep the whole you're juggling all these balls in the air and you can't let them fall. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And you're sick. Like we all got the stomach flu. And my husband, you know, his stomach flu is much different than mine. I'm like in there sick, sick, sick and like out there holding another child's hair. And so for women, it's just so different. Like we, we are on all the time. Whereas my husband could just like lay on the couch and be semi off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, to that point, when we talk about well-being and the research says the most important thing about well-being is sense of purpose. And I think as a mother, when you go through that, having a child and the child grows up and you go through that longevity of that journey, that that sense of purpose is so focused on that child, however many children that you do have, that it's super important for mothers that are all in. And, and you and I are like mothers that are all in. We love our children you know, to the end of the earth mm-hmm. and they're the most important thing in our life. Then we can't lose ourselves in that. And when I say lose ourselves in that, There are other things that make you the best mother that you can be. And so when I see some of my friends go through this, you know, have a child and go through those stages, they're all in as a mother, but they lose themselves in all the areas that are very important that we would define under well-being. And so if you lose yourself physically, you don't get the proper amount of Mm -hmm. exercise. And that that could be something as simple as what I used to do is uh, because I have two boys two years apart. I would put them in the running stroller and we would walk or we would run and then they would get older and they would ride their bikes with me. And then they would get older. We would do different things. But, you know, you taking care of yourself as a mother 
is so important to your mental state and your well-being so you can be the best person that you can be for those children. But don't you find that you can get guilty by that notion being 24-7 because part of, you know, you're at the 23rd hour. What do you mean you're going to sit? Yeah. Well, I will tell you, I actually, I sat in a room with 90 women and the guest speaker that was there said, she talked about how she takes one day a week is for her. She Mm. goes out, her husband knows her date and then Saturdays, is their date night. And she said, what is the one thing that you feel guilty about in your life? And I'm not even kidding you. Probably five people didn't raise their hand. And the rest of them, she said, you know, is it going out? It was going out, like leaving their home, Mm. being away from their children and putting it on their husbands because their husbands had been at work all day or they'd been away from the kids. All of these women raised their hands that they're like, I feel guilty going out and doing stuff for myself. Yeah. I feel guilty going to work out. I feel guilty going out with friends. I feel guilty about leaving my kids. And that isn't always self-imposed guilt because let's face it, when you have a spouse, we both have expectations of each other. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that's imparted from a spouse. Let me just say, you know. For sure. You know, because the spouse is like, hey, I've been working all day. Really? Yeah. You know, I've caught myself in that situation. But it's hard not to. Yeah. And I don't think it's by fault. Like men are problem solvers, right? And so I think when men see that, they're just like, oh, well, you could do this differently. Oh, you were stressed out today. Well, you should have done this differently. Or why didn't you do this or do this with the kids? And in all reality, like, we don't want that. Like, mm. we don't need you to solve the problem. If we needed the problem solve, we would have said, hey. So you don't want husbands planning. I mean, <laughs> you, right? I mean, sometimes, because there is that give and take, though. I do yeah. expect my wife to say, all right, listen, moron, just don't do it this way. So, yeah. I mean, there is that fun give and take that you do correct each other. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Let's talk about this idea of of well-being and connecting with others. So maybe your day out is just for you. Maybe it's a spa day, right? Maybe it's going for a walk in the park. But it can also be connecting. My wife yearly gets together with her high school girlfriends. It is the most important thing for her to plan. I can tell you up front that for many years I didn't understand it. What, what do you mean you're planning that? We haven't planned our summer vacation. You're already into October. Well, uh, I'm here. That's her I'm time. here. But, you know, that's very important mm-hmm. for her. And you connect in different ways as women. I know it. Yeah, I think there's also a point when you, when you talk about getting away and going out and doing that kind of stuff, that gives you that sense of wholeness. And you bring that back to when you're with your family or when you're with your kids, you're present. And there's a, a lot of talk in the industry about presenteeism at work. And I think it translates mm-hmm. to the job as well of being a mother. And so, you know, you can go through your life and be in a room with your children or you can go through your life and be in your room with the children and be present. And they know that. And, right. and I've got this little incident that happened to me that, that I'll never forget. I had the chance to go down to a uh, a seminar for leadership and they had your children. And at that time, my kids were probably 12 and 14. They got to write what's called a 360 evaluation on their mother, on me, because I was going down to this executive training. And so they wrote about me and I did not get to read it until I was down in Florida. So I'm down in Florida and I'm reading what my kids said about me. Now, albeit I was a single mother, so I was there all the time. And so uh, what they wrote about me is, My mom attends my lacrosse games or attends my basketball games or my baseball games, but she's not always there because she's on her BlackBerry. You know, back then it was a BlackBerry. So (laughs) so by me being in the stands, I was present on a Saturday, but I wasn't there and they knew it. And so it gave you the sense of 
you have to be there for your children, but you have to be present in that yeah. whole mindfulness way, which is huge in the industry right now. So maybe when you're talking about going out or spending time with friends or going to a high school reunion, that gives you the ability to connect with others, but then to come back. And so the time that you are with your kids, you're present with them. And that is super important to them feeling secure in their life and you feeling secure as a mother and being valued as a mother. So of those 90 women that you were with, Mm -hmm. you included, and then of, what do you have, 2 million people that are following the mom blog? Oh, yeah. Okay. So of all that, you're getting some great research, right? Even if it's anecdotal, yeah. but you know what you're hearing. Connection, is that a critical thing that oh, you're, you're hearing? It's insane. Like, yeah. and, and the crazy part is, so we host weekly things. We have community groups. So we host these events and maybe a lot of these moms that wanted to get out didn't show up. So we did this thing. We asked them, what's your number one reason that you don't come out? Mm-hmm. And they're like, the fear of being judged by other women that I do not know. Being judged about what? That they actually showed up? Every parenting, the way they oh, look. Oh, I see. The, oh, wow. Yeah, like wow. everything. Like that is a woman's biggest fear is like I'm extremely extroverted. I don't know a group. I will go find you. The power of connection is to me one of the biggest things. Like I love meeting new people. I love hearing their stories. I love true connection. But you know people. that is a difference between males and females because you, I'm not kidding, you ladies can walk into the women's bathroom and come out with three new friends. I'll yes. say to my wife, do you know those ladies? Oh, no. We're we're good friends. We're going to talk next week. I'm, are you kidding? We would never walk into the men's room and come out with guys going, hey, let's go do some sporting clays on Thursday. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So you are wired differently, but to your benefit, because I think sometimes I don't get that opportunity because I'm not wired that way. But with men, you guys can have a very superficial conversation when I say that, I mean, like, you guys can talk about the sports. You can talk about all this stuff. What yeah. connects women, all women together, is children. But women don't want to always go out and talk about children, yeah. right? Okay. So, like, you guys, men can be in somewhere and talk about sports, beer, food. And then um, we got to go. We got, yeah. yeah. Do you, how many guys do you know that are out like, hey, I got four kids. <laughs> They're potty training. Like, <laughs> yeah, do you know right. what I mean? Whereas I women are like, yeah. how many kids do you have? What do you do for work? Like, that is the first question. As women, where do what do we ask? They're like, oh, what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. Uh, notoriously, anywhere you go, what do you do for a living? So when you go out with people you don't know, you have that conversation and a woman goes, well, I stay home with my kids. Yeah. And that's the fear of judgment yeah. for women. You know? even, even today. Yeah. I mean, you would think that we're so far past that. Oh, I right? know. So when it comes to this idea of finding purpose and meaning... I think it's interesting that when you talked about these rocks, and you did a nice job getting that. That's like an epoxy from Home Depot, yeah. Um, When you talk about this idea that you've got well-being and finding purpose and meaning, I understand how that could shift because there are life events, more kids, right? How Your youngest is, what, six months, Mm -hmm. right? So good events, bad events, child gets an illness, but maybe it's a happy time. Maybe it's a, you know, having a baby is typically a happy time, right? But those can change your priorities. Maybe um, your husband loses his job. Now you've got financial pressures, right? So how do you go through life and continue to navigate that saying, oh, I've got this purpose, but yet I'm going to have to adjust? Some people can't adjust. Yeah. And some people, that leads into this whole area of making an assessment of yourself and your well-being. Mm. And then also understanding that there's a element of rewiring your brain that you can also play into. And so when we do a lot of well-being research, we, we look at if you're a new mother and you tend to be uh, wired to react very quickly or very negatively 
then there's actual documented research showing that you can change that. You can mm-hmm. actually change your brain. And we've talked about that in a previous yeah, episode. Yeah. yeah. So if you, you know, if your priorities shift, like you said in your example, and you are in a state of flux or in a state of crisis, and you happen to be a person that goes into a negative space because of that, mm-hmm. then through the earlier episodes, we talked about journaling and focusing on happiness and all the different things that you can do or techniques that you can do for mindfulness that that will help you that will help you get into a healthier space so you can have the highest state of well-being for yourself and for your family as well because mm-hmm. it always trails down i mean you your kids look at you every single day yeah. and how you act and what you do and how you respond and do you wake up in the morning and do you hit them with the negative or do you wake up in the morning and hit them with the positive cuz you're setting their brains and you're wiring their brains, which is a huge responsibility for them going to school and for them going to college or them doing whatever they're doing the day. So mothers understanding that they themselves can take an assessment of their well-being and figure out how to have a higher state of health and happiness, but then understanding, and that sometimes gives, and we talked about this before, a lot of guilt to women, that you're influencing your family unit. You are setting the stage for your children down the road with how their brains are wired. Mm-hmm. And and talking about this with your kids throughout their lifespan and, and throughout this mothering experience is super important. So, Elizabeth, I know you're willing to talk about this, but you have the six-month-old baby is a girl? Yeah. Baby girl. And uh, you have now realized that you have postpartum depression. Yeah. Tell us about this journey for you. So last year, I lost both my parents, my mom, oh, my mom unexpectedly, and then my dad six months later from cancer. Mm. And then I, I'm a busy person. Like I notoriously love to be busy. And so I jumped from one thing right to another. And then my business was full blown. And then mm-hmm. I had a baby and my life slowed down. And so I was stuck at home and she wasn't an easy baby. And I had all this time to think and trying to kind of like go back to losing my parents and not having my support system and my parents being a large part of bringing home the other three children that I had. And so I kind of felt like I was a little off and I wasn't sure if it was just I, I really wasn't I didn't know. And I think that's the hardest part for women with postpartum is you don't know how it feels, because if you've never experienced it, you don't know it. You know, everyone can talk about it, but it's so different for so many people. And so for myself, I remember having, it was, we, my husband and I were heading to DC and I had this thought and I knew I needed help. I was like, that's not normal mm. to feel that. And, and prior to leaving, I had a breakdown on my husband. I was like, you just don't understand the stress of everything's on me. Like, and I love that you're out and you work outside the home and all this stuff, but everything Literally, the baby, the oldest, the we're putting one through college. I asked him, I was like, do you know when, when library day is? Or, do you, you know, the house. Even though he doesn't necessarily put the expectation on me, I feel that it needs to be clean. I feel like dinner has to be yeah, prepared yeah. or different things like that. So it was that moment that I'd spent all morning cleaning right before we left because anyone who leaves on vacation wants to have a clean house. And all of a sudden, we're walking out the door and the house is trashed again. But I just spent an hour, hour and a half cleaning. Yeah. And I just sat on the couch. The baby was crying and I just cried. And my husband was like, what is going on? And I explained it to him and he wanted to understand it. He wanted, he was very supportive and was trying to understand. But I don't think that 
he could because he's never been in that situation. Another woman in that situation would understand how. Well, I even felt. other women who aren't in that yeah. have never been. Could they relate? I oh, don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure. And yeah. I think a lot of times it goes undiagnosed, or they're ashamed yeah. to say. Because I will be honest, I thought that I could have had it, but I was ashamed because I'd never had it. I knew I didn't need to be ashamed. But isn't the pressure greater for you, not because you're both women, but because you're actually blogging about stuff. We're talking about self-care. And of all the people in the world that can't handle the self-care, I would say, well, there's my expert. Was there self-imposed pressure as well that you're doing all these things? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm notorious for it. And so I take on a lot, but I love it. Like, that is who I am. I'm a busy person. I like it. And so... I think that was the heart. And I have a great support system. I have an awesome team. I have a huge team. I have a lot of great friends. I know a lot of people. But there was something that was disconnected. And I felt like my husband and I were disconnected because the baby was up all night. And then I just didn't feel like him and I were connected. And anyone who knows that, if you and your husband are not on the same page or your partner and Mm -hmm. you're not connected, to support your family and feel good about yourself is so hard because at the end of the day, who do you have? So how are you today, right this second? So I now, when I realized it, I had called my OB. Somebody gave me a suggestion because I had tried therapists. I was on my sixth therapist and I was sick of going to therapists who were like, so tell me more about that. I needed coping mechanisms, how to deal with the death of my parents. Mm. And then I lost a good friend and I was like, you know, how do I deal with all these things? And my OB referred me to this woman and she has literally changed my life. That 60 minutes that I get to sit with her, she doesn't know my personal life, but from what I tell her, she doesn't know the people in my life. She doesn't know what's going on. But from what I talk to, she can just listen to me. And she gives me great advice. Like the advice she gives so even you my want marriage. Advice, though. Yeah, but from someone that's been there and can say like I see. You know what I mean? Like I don't a man can't necessarily give me right. uh, Is that where you're going with that? No, no, no. Okay. No, no. <laughs> you were like giving me the <laughs> eye. I was like, did you do you Don't be doing any man host hating here. <laughs> no. no. Oh no, my no, gosh, what, no. No, what I'm saying is is that, you know, this idea that somehow we are uh, somebody's going to explain this to you because you had talked about your husband giving you advice. Yeah. But you're relishing advice. As long as it's good advice. Oh my gosh, yeah. And for me, that self-care right now is that 60 minutes that I get to sit with her. Is that great? And and she's talking to me about it. And I didn't want to go on medication. And finally, I I talked to her. I was on vacation. She's like, you need to call your OB. And I was like, no, I don't. I'm going to be fine as I'm crying. And she's like, Elizabeth, I can hear how anxious you are and how much is it like you need to call. Mm -hmm. And so I'm 12 days in. And we'll see. I hear it takes about three weeks. They say about three weeks to start to notice a difference. But it was hard for me. It's still hard for me to kind of grasp it because I'm a super positive person. I I use the positive affirmations and I do all this stuff. And I tell you, when my dad was really sick, I used positive affirmations to get myself out of bed every single day because going from finding my mom, she had had a heart attack. And to caring for my dad, it was like I couldn't stop. I needed to go from yeah, one yeah. extreme to the next. Well, then we find out we're ca- pregnant. Super caregiver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a firm believer in these positive affirmations because they do work and training the brain. And I even say to my kids, like when I drop them off at school, I'm like, what is today going to be? My daughter's like, it's a good day. And my three-year-old is so cute. He's like, a good day. You know, like yeah. it's just, um, it's just, but I want them to also think that stuff, that you can change those things. Unless you've had something tragic. like. Well, yeah, and that's tough because yeah. I've gone through that in recent time too. But Cindy, dig into this but, about. But the thing I want to make sure people understand is I just 100% applaud what you just did. And you just said, 
I still use positive affirmations. I'm still doing all that stuff, but I still recognize my emotional health. There was something there and I reached out for help. And I think that is what, like, that's the biggest message of this entire podcast is that being a mother is like the most rewarding thing in the world. That is just to me in my heart, but it's super hard as well. And the recognition that you just, I mean, we could just end the podcast now. It was just (laughs) perfect because I keep talking about positive affirmations and make sure you wake up and be positive every day, tell your kids to be positive. That's only one small piece of this. The larger piece of emotional health, which is actually one of these rocks, is that what you just did is you recognized emotionally there was something there, not your physical health, not your financial health. Emotionally, something was Mm. disconnected for you and you took a step to reach out for health. And that is all we want people to do. And and the stigma of, you know, back when, you know, 30 years ago when I got in this industry, there was still that stigma 20 years ago, still that stigma. You know, don't you don't need help. You don't need to go to a counselor. You got anxiety, you got depression, whatever. But you bringing this to light and talking about, you know, I knew something was wrong. That was so valuable. Your point was I just wanted to reiterate no, that it's because great. it's so valuable. And I think it's great that we're leading up to Mother's Day here because, you know, we're honoring moms, grandma. You know, we're honoring women in our life who are so important in helping to raise us and we're raising our our kids and then supporting our own yeah. spouse to do that. So I think it's really cool that we're able to hear these honest evaluations of life because I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you explain this and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, talk about somebody who's, you're on, you're on fire. There's a twinkle in your eye. You both have got this drive to help other people. And yet I wouldn't have known if you didn't tell us yeah. you know, that there's something going on that's critically important in your life. I think a lot of people do. So because I host so many women, yeah. um, I have a team of, we have about 40 writers and then people who work for me, there's about 12 to 13 of them. And so I told our exec team first, um, kind of where I was at. And then people will reach out, be like, I haven't heard from you in a while. And I was like, gosh. So I told our whole team. And when I tell people, they're like, I would never guess that you're going through that. But I think as women, we bury it, we hide it. Mm -hmm. We want everyone to believe life is okay, right? Because we see all this stuff on social media. We see all this stuff out there that... We don't want people to think like, and for me, it was hard because I'm like, I've never, I've never had depression. I've, I've gone 35 years of life. Like I've been through some hard stuff. I had a child really young. I was on my own. Like mm. I've been through hard stuff. How is this right here? And my doctor had to say to me, you had a really rough year and then you had a baby yeah. and then your body changed and these chemical imbalances and, and it's, and it might not be medication that I need for Forever. It could be, he's like, you might just need it for three months, yeah, something yeah. to get back in. But the therapist for me was the largest part to that. Having somebody there for me yeah. that was listening yeah. to me and hearing what I was saying. And I think it's good that we all recognize, you know, coming from the old business that I used to be in where you try to outguess God by predicting storms. Storms in life come along. Sometimes oh, they yes. come and they move quickly. Sometimes they come and they sit and they spin and they create debris. But I mean, storms in life have to start somewhere. So because we don't have experience with where they start mm-hmm. or we can't say, oh, yeah, that happened to me three years ago. Well, it's got to start somewhere. And for you, you've admitted it just sort of started in the past six months or so, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I had never experienced death before my mom. That oh, was my first yeah. experience yeah. with death. And I, my, I went to an acupuncture and she goes, I think your positivity does a really good job bearing the pain because you don't know how to be in pain. And mm. I don't. I don't like sadness is one of those things when I feel it, I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? I don't like this and try to hurry and change it or be busy. 
That's how I change it. Well, or you also hear this phrase, let's lean into happy things. And I understand that because I love to do even hobbies. I love to do things that make me happy. Is there a, a downside to leaning into things that make you happy because they could put some kind of frosting on top of other things that are kind of bubbling under the surface? Or should we really just lean into things once a week, once a day, once a month that make us happy? Um, I think from my perspective, they're, they're two separate conversations. You know, the generic conversation of lean into things are happy, rewiring your brain, mm-hmm. focus on happiness. That's a generic message for everybody, you know, for every woman, every mother out there. What what you're alluding to is when you get to the point where you can't be happy for a mm-hmm. reason, you're crying on the couch, you said, you know, when you just knew something was wrong clinically, then then you need to turn to a professional to get that handled. But the generic, you know, the rock here, the generic level of your Karen, if you will, that says, I'm going to get out of the bed and I'm every morning and I'm going to focus on the things that are happy, that are good in my life. Mm-hmm. That will help the most of the population. You know, you can rewire your brain to be happier. That will cause you to focus on different things. They actually do CAT scans of brains to show if you focus on happiness, that will fire different areas of your brain. And I don't want to take away from that conversation that we just got done saying is that if clinically something is wrong yeah, and you can't yeah. be happy every day and you find yourself crying and you're at that point, then you do need to reach out to a professional and get that help. And I think as you were talking, I was evaluating that probably for most people, you know how we talked earlier about getting out and meeting with friends and all that kind of stuff. That's probably armchair counseling, you know, mm-hmm. because I know for me personally, I've got this group of four women We go out twice a year. We have for 20 years. We've all worked together, but we've gone different ways and raised our kids. And we would come together and just tell the person at the restaurant, hey, it's six o'clock. Just to let you know, we're going to be here till midnight. Don't try to shove us out. We'll give you (laughs) a big tip at the end of the night. So don't worry about it. We're four women. We're going to chatter over here for literally four or five hours about our life and you talk through childbearing issues and you talk about things in life and you share stories that's at that armchair counselor level that gets you to a point where I'm a really good mom I mean in my head I haven't got it all figured out and I'm in a crisis but I'm a really good mom at the Mm -hmm. end of the day and then if you can't get to that then you go where you went is to say I need to go to someone a clinical professional and talk about my emotional state to them. But I think the message takeaway for the majority of women who aren't in that situation is that being a mom is full of chaos and and life is awesome because it's chaotic. I love chaos because chaos brings adventures and adventures bring stories and you grow with your children. I mean, all of that stuff about being a mother, I would not actually looking back on my life with my kids, I would never probably change anything because it made them who they are and they're awesome, Mm -hmm. awesome kids in life. And then it made me who I am. And all those challenges are wonderful. That handling your well-being through all of that is that happiness and make sure you take your, you know, look at your physical health and your emotional health and your financial health, all those things. You're just talking about something deeper and way more important that if you have something emotionally really wrong, don't be afraid to reach out. And I, I recognize that, that men are wired completely differently that way. You've seen the poster. Sometimes it's used for a positive mental attitude statement. It's the iceberg. 
and there's only a tip above the water, and there, and here's this huge piece underwater, right? It's not always visible. Yeah. And I know that's true for men and women, but I don't think guys want to dive into the water and talk about that part of the iceberg that's hidden. We yeah, don't really go there No, often. and I talked to my therapist about this, too, because my husband and I had this whole conversation, a four-hour conversation. We went to this this thing, and afterwards we had this long conversation. And about men? Did you yeah, talk no, about No, just us? about com- communication <laughs> yeah. and, like, what we learned at this seminar we went to, and... um I, when I talk to my therapist, she goes, Elizabeth, men aren't wired like us. If you need yeah. him to do something, don't assume he knows what he he's supposed to be doing. Write him a list. Write him a list and put it where it's visible to him. Maybe he needs to check things off, but mm-hmm. don't. And I, me hearing that from somebody other than my husband, yeah. right? Because their husbands yeah. can tell us stuff. We're like, Shh, whatever. But hearing it from a perf- or someone like her, yeah. I was like, all right. So I went home, made my husband a checklist. And I'm telling you, it's changed a lot of things for us because... I took the time to understand, and I'm more patient now because I'm like, what do you mean? The dishes are in there. Like, I just didn't understand. If you see the dishes in there, why can you not just do them? Like, do I have to ask you to do them? Right. You know what I mean? And my husband's great with that stuff, but it was... I shouldn't say right. It was like... Because to this day, I still will take a bowl... You know, I'll have my morning kashi or something. I put it in the sink and Susan will be, you know, the dishwasher is yes. literally right here. And I, I can't even explain the science. I know intellectually, I know it's there. Yeah. I may have helped to empty it. I know it's ready. Mm-hmm. And and yet it just seems, I think it's just habit. I don't know what it is. But, <laughs> well, listen, I, I am so encouraged by this idea that there are so many different ways that we can help each other. And I think that's one of the things that I'm hearing from you too, that we shouldn't be afraid to look for and accept help, right? Oh I mean, it could be from each other, but it can also be from somebody who's a professional. It took me four kids to realize that. Wow. At four, because I think as women, when everyone asks like, hey, do you need to bring you a meal? Do you need anything? You're like, oh no, I got this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a very independent person. So I was like, I got this all under control. I'm super woman over here. And then I had this fourth baby and I was like, Oh my gosh, when you, yes, I need help. Yes, I'll take that meal. Or when we were sick, normally I'd be like, no, we're okay, as I'm like dying. And my girlfriend's like, let me bring you over dinner. She brought over dinner and it like, it just means so much when somebody does that small, it could be just a small gesture. Yeah. You know, that they're thinking about you and they're taking the time to go out of their way. Like she took an hour out of her, maybe longer than that, to go get us food and bring it over to my sick house, my sick household. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. I I don't know why it was such a hard thing for me to do before because now I feel like too, it makes your relationship stronger with other people when you ask for help because then they can ask you for help and it's like a, you know, a two-way street. Well, it feels good to be a giver too, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, it's not that we're doing it for that purpose, but it yeah. feels good to to donate to, to life, to a dear friend, to it whoever does. it is, and, you know, maybe a stranger. And it matters. Like, and that's the thing I think people don't realize is there's those people struggling so bad and they're just waiting for someone to offer them help. And maybe they're not going to come out and say, I need it directly, but then just drop something off. I've gone as far as just being like, I didn't even ask if you needed help. I knew you needed help. Wow. So I went and dropped a lasagna at your garage door and text you say, hey, there's a lasagna at your garage door. I hope you enjoy it. And I will talk to you later. If you need anything, let me know. But that follow up, because everyone's going to say, even when my parents died, I didn't know what to say to anyone or what I needed. And a lot of times you don't know what you need Mm -hmm. when you need help. Mm -hmm. And it's taking people to recognize that and stepping forward. And I love it. Like you said, like, I love helping people. That is, I live for that. Just, 
And so I'm always listening to little heart drops, like what is going on in someone's life that I can reach out and make a difference for them or help them. Mm -hmm. So being aware of your surroundings is good. And as we wrap things up, let's talk about the self-awareness that you've spoken about, because there is a piece of this that I find interesting. I'm not quite sure what everyone, and it's different for everyone, what they're standing on. But if they're not standing on a rock, and sometimes we can't be, and you're just on shifting sand, how is it that we can drill down to that point of well-being where we really feel, whether it's faith, whether it's uh, our family situation, but we know every once in a while a carpet can be yanked out from under us, right? How do we find that notion that, well, it's okay if things are a little crazy because the earthquake came, but I'll be okay, yeah, you know, I think for me personally, it's it shifts. With every stage of life that we go through, that whole idea of these rocks being associated and standing and balance and everything, it shifts. And but you've got to have a foundation, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, you do. And it might be different for every person. Interesting. For, yeah. me, for me personally, I'm a religious person. Mm-hmm. So my faith, you know, trust in God, you know, listening right. to church every Sunday. I post a lot on Facebook. It re-energizes me every week, you mm-hmm. know. But some people that don't have that faith may have a sense of a higher power or whatever. Sure. Now, research, uh, and then everything falls into place for me. But research will tell you that your sense of purpose is the most important. You know, Gallup has all this research about thriving and everything, and we read about that a lot. But they say the most important thing that gets you aligned with all the different areas of well-being is your sense of purpose. Why do you get up in the morning every single day? Mm -hmm. And as I think through this episode and motherhood and all the things that we're talking about, the one thing that always hits me is that my sense of purpose does shift throughout my life. And I always have that foundation of God or that foundation of religion or spirituality. But my sense of purpose of getting out of bed in the morning, it was my children. When my kids were young, it I mean, everything I did yeah. was for them. Well, your context changes, right? Yeah, as you get older, does. as, as kids grow up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so going back to your question of how do you align yourself, finding your sense of purpose and focusing in on that might be what you need to do. But you have to stay in alignment in all these different areas because You can only be the best mother that you're capable of being if you're actually holding yourself up to what you need to do for yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to look at your emotional and happiness and physical health and all the different things. And all of those will vary as well. But you got to be the best person that you can be before you give it to your children and be present with your children. I mean, that's the biggest gift that anybody can give anybody is to be present and look at their eyes. Yeah, and, turn your phone off or oh, over so you're just there, right? yeah. Well, so good to see you yeah, and have you, you here today. Nice meeting Thank you. you. Elizabeth Lewis, who's the founder of Detroit Moms Blog, and we've also got Cindy Bjorkquist, who's with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Takeaways today, I mean, really important points. I'm not sure that everybody wants an evaluation from their kids. That's brave. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that is really brave. But find ways to improve your well-being. Make sure that you're thinking about things that are making you happy. Lean into them if that's appropriate. Journal in your life. Practice gratitude. Help that friend who's got a sick family. That's a good idea. And don't be afraid, for goodness sakes, don't be afraid to ask for help. I know it's tough in this world to this day. It's tough for some of us to say that I need help and then be willing to accept it because it's not just somebody who wants to run your life. They're looking 
to offer you some help in some way or another. Well, we're glad you've been with us. Thank you, ladies. Good to have you you here. Hey, girls. I just wanted to say it one more time. (laughs) Thanks for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like the show, you can check it out at healthiermichigan.org slash podcast. Cindy referenced this idea, but we have previous episodes that go back into last year, last season, talking about well-being. Some really great tips there as well. You can always leave a review or a rating on iTunes and Stitcher. Get new episodes on your smartphone or tablet, and you can subscribe for free to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Uh, Take good care of yourselves. Be well. I'm Chuck Gator.